Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Edinburgh Church. It's uh, so good to have you tuning in with us today. My name is Joshua, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff. Hey, as you may or may not know, Pastor Brent is going to be on sabbatical for the next eight weeks. Pastor Tyler and I have the privilege of preaching uh, uh, through a brand new series starting today called Hashtag Blessed. But uh, before we jump into that, I just want to ask you to join me in doing two things. I want to ask you to join me in praying for two very important things. First, I'd ask you to consider praying for Pastor Brent. Would you be lifting him up in prayer while he's on sabbatical? Pray that God would speak to him. Pray that God would pour into him so that he can come back and be what I believe an even better leader for Edinburgh Church. And I know Pastor Brent would seriously appreciate your prayers during this eight-week sabbatical. Second, I'm asking all who are watching, uh, if you haven't considered this or if you'd be willing to just take some more time to pray for our city. Our city is in chaos right now. It's in pain. Our city's hurting. People are hurting. Families are hurting. And I just know that the enemy loves uh, to sow hate and anger and more chaos during these, these difficult days. Friends, I know this. I believe this because the Bible tells me this. The number one weapon that we have against the enemy is prayer. And so as one of the pastors here, I'm asking you, would you consider just taking five to ten extra minutes every day and pray for our city, pray for our people, pray for unity, pray for wounds to be healed? Because these are tough days. These are scary times. So what I'd actually like to do with us now, church, is I'm asking you, wherever you're at today, would you just join me right now even in praying for our city? Would you be willing to bow your head and let's go to our great God and say, God, we want to lift up our city. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we just want to pray with one voice today. We pray for our city. Our city is in pain we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to come and do what only he can do. We ask you to be near the brokenhearted. God, we ask you to protect the vulnerable and the marginalized. And God, just begin to do at work by healing these deep-seated wounds. Father, where there's evil, I'm asking you to send your power to fight for what is true and what is just and what is good. And as your followers, Lord, spur us, spur us to listen, to understand. Help us to speak and act for justice and mercy with humility. Help us to see what we were made for. Give us wisdom and courage to care for others over ourselves. And may we always display love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control so that the world will see you in us. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, amen. Keep praying for our city, man. Keep praying for our city. Well, as I mentioned earlier, over the next eight weeks, we're going to jump into a series titled Hashtag Blessed. And we're going to be walking through each of the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. And the Beatitudes is what they were, is they were eight blessings that Jesus pronounced on his listeners before he preached the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. 
Now, let me just set up the Beatitudes and this, this whole series and our understanding of it with a little bit of a story. And it goes like this. There was a ship's naval captain who was cautiously piloting his warship through these fog-shrouded waters. And with straining eyes, he scanned the hazy darkness, searching for danger lur- lurking just out of sight. His worst fears were realized when he saw a bright light straight ahead, and it appeared to be a vessel on a collision course with his own ship. So to divert disaster, he quickly radioed the oncoming vessel. He said, this is Captain Leonard Smith. His voice crackled over the radio. Please alter your course 10 degrees south. Over. To the captain's amazement, the foggy image did not move. Instead, he heard back on the radio, Captain Smith, this is Private Thomas Callahan. Please alter your course 10 degrees north. Over. Well, appalled at the audacity of this message, the captain shouted back over the radio, Private Callahan, I order you to immediately alter your course 10 degrees south. Over. A second time, the oncoming light, it didn't budge. With all due respect, Captain, came the private's voice. I order you to alter your course immediately 10 degrees north. Over. Well, at this point, the captain was angry and he was frustrated at this impudent soldier who would endanger the lives of his men and crew. And the captain growled back over the radio, said, Private Callahan, I will have you court-martialed for this. For the last time, I command you on the authority of the United States government to alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Over, I am a battleship. Well, the private's final transmission was chilling. Captain Smith, sir, once again, with all due respect, I command you to alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse. And in the matter of just a moment, in the span of just a moment, that captain had everything that he thought he knew flipped upside down. And as we, as we understand that, as we look at the Beatitudes, we're going to learn that that's actually what Jesus is doing. He's taking something that we think we know, something we think we understand, and he's going to take our idea and he's going to flip it upside down. And what we're going to learn is that maybe what we thought we understood is that it means to be blessed really isn't, and it gets flipped. Jesus is going to take the cultural ideas of what we think it means to be blessed, and he's going to flip it on its head. So instead of our perspective and understanding of what we think it means to be blessed, Jesus is going to flip it and show us God's perspective on what it means to be blessed. So we need to start by defining what exactly does it mean to be blessed. Let's just start there. Our American mindset is that blessed means we're, for the most part, right, financially well off. We've got all the toys and comforts we could ask for, Our refrigerators are full and there's plenty of toilet paper and Clorox wipes in the hallway closet. So often, we associate blessing with material things and comforts. Now those things in and of themselves, they're not bad, but but that's not what God has in mind for a blessed life. Now, as one of the pastors of this church, I want God to bless your life. I really do. I want him to bless your relationships, your wisdom with finances, your health, your talents. 
your future. I want God to bless you. And I believe this. I believe God wants to bless you because he's a good God. He's a loving father. And because of this, we need to understand how to receive God's blessings in our life. But as we look at the Bible again and again, here's what we, here's what we recognize. that the, the problem's not with God. The problem's really with us. I believe God wants to bless our lives, but we have to start with this question. Am I blessable? I mean, God's not going to bless a life filled with sin. God's not going to bless arrogance or pride. And we have to take a good look at ourselves first. There's a lot of things God just will not bless. When Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount, the reason that he starts with these, these first, these eight teachings that I would almost consider, they're almost like eight conditions of the heart. They're eight attitudes of the heart that he wants us to live out so that we can receive God's blessing in our lives. Now, let me just say right away, okay, this is not prosperity gospel mindset. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not about praying a certain prayer, okay, and believing a certain thing and God's going to send you a check in the mail. That's, no, no, no. Friends, the blessings God wants to pour out on your life, they're so much deeper and more fulfilling than that. So what is a blessing according to God? Let's, let's make sure we get that right. I mean, would we know a real blessing if it hit us upside the head? From, from the Bible's perspective, it even says that sometimes a problem is a blessing, which I find really hard to, to, to believe in sometimes, especially in today's society. We have to go and let's look at the word blessed in these eight statements. Now, the Greek word here for the word blessed is makarios. Makarios, literally translated, means happy. To be blessed is to be happy. To have a blessing from God is to have happiness in your life. But I want to be very careful here. Let me just pause. Let me be very careful here because even the word happy can have different ideas for us. Okay, it's not a happy like when a kid gets a piece of cake and gets a sugar rush, okay? That's great, but that's not what this is about. That's a temporary happy. It's deeper than that. I want us to think of makarios, makarios happy, deeper. It's, it's almost like a content happy. There's a content to it, a contentment. Or maybe another word that would define this well as it's makarios, it's satisfied. There's a satisfaction, this deep, satisfied, happy. It has a depth to it. It's content. It's satisfied. Happy. Makarios. That's the image that I want us to have as we look at these eight Beatitudes over the next eight weeks. So we're going to look at the first Beatitude that Jesus shares with the crowd in Matthew 5 today. It starts off in Matthew 5, it says, The crowds gathered, okay, Jesus went up on a mountainside and his disciples came to him and then he began to teach them. And this is the first teaching that Jesus delivers. It's found in Matthew 5, 3. It says this, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Content are the poor in spirit. Satisfied are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? We've kind of looked at the word blessed, but let's just dissect this poor in spirit a little bit. 
Okay, that phrase can just, it can conjure up different images. It can be a little odd, right? Jesus is not making a comment directed at just the poor. Okay, he didn't say blessed are the poor. He said blessed are the poor in spirit. He's not talking about material or physical poverty. He's talking about spiritual poverty. He's talking about maintaining that certain attitude that of the heart, and behavior of the heart. I think to help us get a, a fuller understanding of poor in spirit, just look at a couple other translations of Matthew 5.3. The NLT, it, it says it this way. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The CEV version says this. says, God blesses those people who depend only on him. I think those give us a broader, deeper understanding of what it means to be poor in spirit. Jesus is referencing people who recognize that they're spiritually poor, okay? They realize, I'm spiritually inadequate, okay? It's the attitude of the heart is this, man, I have a real need for God, and I recognize that. Without God in my life, I am spiritually poor, I think a great verse that can sum this up is found in Psalm 146. It says this, it says, The Lord God of Jacob blesses, there it is, blesses everyone who trusts him and depends on him. I, man, those are, those are two great words. Man, if we want to have the right heart, the right attitude for receiving God's blessing in our lives, we've got to trust him and we've got to depend on him. I mean, even Jesus, to illustrate this one day, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And here's what he did. He, he brought a child and he had the child stand in front of his disciples. And he pointed at the child and he said, hey, I want your faith to be like this child's. Why? Because think about it. A child is completely dependent on their parents. Completely. Think of a baby. A baby is completely dependent on their mom and dad for everything. Friends, that's, that's the attitude that Jesus is trying to convey here. That's what it means to be poor in spirit, to recognize, God, I need you for everything. Now, I fully realize I am so spiritually inadequate to handle all the problems that I will face in my life. I'm telling you, I am so spiritually inadequate to handle the temperature of our society right now. I am. I'm so weak. I want God to bless our city. I want God to bless you, your relationships, your work, your career, your studies, your finances, your health, whatever. But I need to recognize, man, I need God in everything. So the question comes to this. How do I do that? I mean, what does that look like to depend on God every day for everything? And I thought of like at least a half dozen ways that we could live out dependence on God. But of course, for the sake of time, I, I, there's three that just kind of came to the surface that I think are so important for us to hear today. And these are three things that I believe you can literally put these into practice when you hit the power button on whatever device you're watching this on today. And man, I just believe these are super relevant to the times that we're living in right now as well. And if you practice these things, you're going to be living out what Jesus encouraged us to do. We're going to be practicing what it means to be poor in spirit. And guys, I'm telling you, that's the kind of man 
or woman that God likes to bless. Three ways that we can live out dependence on God. The first one is we have to depend on God's wisdom instead of our own. His wisdom. Proverbs 14 says this. It says, hey, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Look at that word seems. There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end, it's a dead end. The author is saying that our ideas, our wisdom, often end in a dead end. Have you ever had that time in your life, have you ever had that feeling that you just thought was so, so very right, and you just knew it with all your heart, this is what I should do, and then you did it, and it ended up being so very, very dumb. That's what this verse is talking about. There's a way that seems right to us, but it ends in death. I believe probably just about everyone watching, we could all probably share a story of when that's happened to us. I remember my senior year in high school, I thought one of my work colleagues at, you know, Dairy Queen of all places, in which we were employed, was treated, you know, unfairly by my boss regarding an issue. And in that moment, I just knew the right thing to do was to write a letter to my boss explaining my disappointment and my displeasure of my friend's treatment. And I left that letter on his desk knowing that he'd see it the next morning. And I just knew that he'd have this change of heart. Friends, can I just tell you, this was one of those times when something seemed very, very right. And it was so very, very dumb. It was, in fact, I... It's a miracle that I didn't get fired on the spot. I'm serious. I should have been fired. I really should have. But amazingly, (laughs) I had a very cool boss. He showed me grace. He heard me out. He was angry, but he heard me out. Friends, my actions, I thought they were right, but you know what? They ended up at a dead end. Proverbs 14, there's a path that seems right, but in the end, dead end. Maybe you've been in that situation where you thought, if I just got this perfect job, then I'll be content. And then you got it, and then it wasn't. Maybe you're like, if I could just get that person to date me, and then you started dating, you thought, yes, this is what I need, and then it wasn't. As a parent, right, I've thought, I know exactly what my kid needs to hear right now. This is what I should say. It's going to make everything better. And then it has the exact opposite effect. Maybe you've been like, I just know it. I feel it. This is where I should put my money. And then it bombs. We could probably spend all day, right, sharing painful examples where we wished we had listened to God instead of our gut. Because guess what, you guys? God, God is full of truth and wisdom. And you know what? Your gut, if your name is Tyler Rowland, is filled with Chick-fil-A. And you can't trust your gut, even when it's filled with Chick-fil-A. Sorry, brother. Just because we think it or feel it, it doesn't make it right. Friends, I just got to tell you, your feelings will lie to you all the time. But that's kind of the American mindset, right? If it feels right, then it must be right. If you follow your feelings, you can't go wrong. But man, that's just not the wisdom from the Bible. Look at Proverbs 3. It says this, Trust in who? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Now, this next sentence, I love it because I should say it every morning to myself in the mirror. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Man, I I should tell myself that every morning. Josh, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You're an idiot. It's just true. Friends, if we really want God's blessing, we got to depend on his wisdom, not our gut, right? Not our feelings. It's like, well, how do I get God's wisdom? It's so easy. It's just two ways. You pray and you read God's word. That's it. Are you spending time talking to God throughout your day saying, God, what, what would you have me do? And are you spending time every day reading God's? That book is full of wisdom for your life. That's how we depend on God's wisdom instead of our own. A second way that I think we need, to, that it will help us depend on God to be poor in spirit is that we got to depend on God's timing instead of our own. We need to depend on God's timing instead of our own. This can be so important and that this is so hard. Let me give you an illustration from the culinary world, okay? The difference between a master chef and an amateur, it's timing, okay? A master chef knows exactly how long to allow a certain food to simmer in white wine and exactly when to throw in that pinch of seasoning to bring out the best quality taste for that dish. It's about timing. If I put this on like my level of culinary skill, I know exact, it takes exactly 93 seconds on setting four to toast the perfect Eggo waffle. That's what I'm talking about. Timing is everything. And being poor in spirit means we trust God's timing instead of our own. Can I confess something to you? Okay, our, our family, we have Amazon Prime, okay? I don't even like it when I have to wait more than two days for my delivery to show up. Oh, right, oh, the, the humanity. Shame on me, right? But that's, that's our attitude. That's the way we tend to be wired in our culture. It goes against God's blessing in our lives because God, God's blessing comes through these times of waiting for his perfect timing. Man, can we just... I think we're all in agreement. Good night. We are in a period of waiting right now. And this, this is just, this is so relevant for us as, as Christians. We, we're waiting for a reprieve from this pandemic. We're waiting for tensions to come down in our city. We're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel and it doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon. And it's so hard. But being poor in spirit, it, me, it means we've got to learn to be patient and depend on God, and depend on his timing. Psalm 31, it says this, it says, but I, I, I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. You are my God. And it says what? My times. My times are in your hands. Do we believe that? Can I just give you some encouragement while we're waiting? Friends, while you're waiting, guess what? God is still working. He is. Don't think that just because we're in this season of waiting that God has just stopped, that he's just left the building. No, he's still working. I believe that. God's always working. He's just taking us through a season of waiting because of timing. And God's timing is always perfect. 
God's never in a hurry, okay? The problem with waiting is our human nature and, and, and the, the culture around us. Everything about us says, don't wait, get it as quickly as you can. I'll confess something new, but I have a feeling a, a lot of you can relate to this. Sometimes when we pray, sometimes when I pray, my mindset, it goes like this. So, okay, God, you get first priority on this. This is my prayer, your timing. I'm going to trust your timing. But could you have, make it happen really fast? And if you don't get it done, then I'm going to get it done myself. I can't even tell you ashamedly how many times that's been my mindset when I've prayed. Remember, being poor in spirit, it's depending on God and his timing. You know, God so often, he just has to say no. He says, no, you got to trust me. You need to trust my timing because I know best. There's a prophet from the Old Testament named Micah, and he just, he had the right, he just had the right attitude. And he said this in, in Micah 7. He says, but I trust the Lord God to save me. And I will what? What's it say? I will wait for him to answer my prayer. That's, that's the heart of poor in spirit. That's the, the heart of being dependent on God. Friends, God always gives his best to those who wait. He just does. If you get in a hurry, you're going to settle for second best in your life. And before God brings the best whatever in your life, best man, best woman, best situation, best job, Satan is going to do this. He's going to shoot up all kinds of flares and fireworks to distract you to do an impulse thing instead of trusting God's timing. Man, don't give in to that. Don't give in. If you wait for God's best, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. He does. That's what it means to depend on God. That's being poor in spirit. But if you freak out, okay, you get nervous, you start to try and answer your own prayers, I can tell you from experience, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in life. So friends, if, if we want to understand and receive God's blessing on our lives and our homes, we've got to depend on God's wisdom. We've got to depend on God's timing. And the third thing I want to challenge you with, more than ever today, we've got to depend on God's strength. His strength. I need to learn to depend on God's strength instead of mine. My strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. My strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. God never runs out of energy. He never gets tired. Me, I just, I hang a picture on the wall and I need a nap. I mean, it's pathetic. I run out of energy pretty easily. You know why? Because I'm human. I'm human. That's why I need to depend on God's strength instead of my own. It says this in Psalm 80, 84, it says, blessed, there it is, blessed. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, God. He's writing that to his God. It's not hard for us to look around. All I got to do is flip on the news and watch for five minutes and my strength is gone right now. With this pandemic, with the state of our city, my heart just hurts and I just, I just, I just feel like, man, where, I need your strength, God. What do we do when we're fried? What do we do when we're scared? When we get to the end of the day, and we're already out of energy and we have to face another hard day and we don't have the energy. 
When you look at your to-do list and you're like, I don't even know how I can get this done and you're, you, don't, you have no strength. Friends, there are so many painful things going on in our world right now. There are so many painful things going on in people's lives right now. I've seen crippling things in people's lives and it breaks my heart. I've seen people go through a divorce and they, they never recover. I've seen people go through a breakup and they, they never recover. I've seen people go through major illness, job loss, losing all their money, even getting arrested, and they just don't seem to recover. And I got to ask the question, what, why is that? Could it be? Could it be because so often we depend on our own strength to get us through and it's just not enough? Friends, the only way, I'm telling you, the only way that I can see that we're going to get through this period in history through this dark times and these difficult days is with God's strength. I'm just telling you, I can't do it on my own strength. I just can't. We've got to depend on him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It is, I realize I can't do this. Well, here's a verse that I believe it can just help us today. And, and it'll, I think it'll help us in these, these tough, dark days. And I, here's what I would actually challenge us. Everyone, where you're, wherever you're at, I'd actually encourage you to memorize it with me right now. That's right. Let's, let's memorize a verse together. And it's found in Psalm 18.32. Here's what it says. It says, It is God who arms me with strength. It is God who arms me with strength. Friends, that's an awesome affirmation for our lives, especially right now. So here's what I, here's what I challenge you to say. Say it with me right now. Psalm 18.32 says what? It is God who arms me with strength. Hey, where is it found? Psalm 18.32. It is God who arms me with strength. But I want to be careful here because this word arms, this is a dangerous word right now, right? This is not the kind of arms like, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to be stronger than you, I'm going to shout louder than you. Friends, we got to remember, what did Jesus do with the Beatitudes? He took them, he took our understanding, what did he do? He flipped it. He flipped it upside down. Do you want to know what God's strength looks like? God's strength looks like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God's strength. That's the kind of strength that we need as a people right now. So tomorrow morning when you wake up and you know it's still a dark day and you just want to roll over and go back to sleep, you sit up in your bed and you quote Psalm 1832 and you say, it is God who arms me with strength and you start your day. And you go to work, wherever you need to go to, and guess what? You get in that first argument or that conflict with a coworker, and you just want to tear into them and you remember God's strength is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, it is God who arms me with that strength. Help me to live it. And later in the afternoon, right, you're going to get that phone call from that really crabby, irritable person and they're going to give you an earful and you're frustrated and it creates anxiety and stress and you quote Psalm 18 and you say, it is God who arms me with strength. And late in the day, right, you're running out of energy. You still got a million things to get done. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. What do you do? You quote Psalm 18. It is God who arms me with strength today. And here's the worst part of the day. You, your head hits the pillow, right? 
and you think about all the things that you didn't get done, all the worries, all the fears, all the loneliness, all the anxiety, it just piles on your brain laying there in bed. But you know what you do? You look at it and you say, it is God who arms me with strength. Friends, that is the kind of woman God will bless. That is the kind of man that God will bless. So let's just real quick, man, to be poor in spirit, you know what I do? I depend on God's wisdom. Are you talking to God throughout your day, asking for his advice and guidance? Are you reading the Bible every day, spending time with him? Friends, if you're not, really, you're just depending on your own wisdom. To be poor in spirit, it means that I depend on God's timing. Are we depending on God's timing instead of our own? Or do you find yourself like me sometimes saying, God, you're too slow. I'm going to get this. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And to be poor in spirit, it means I depend on God's strength instead of my own. Are you arming yourself every day with God's strength instead of your own? Are you arming yourself with the strength of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control? We've got to ask him for it. And when my kids were little, we would take them to pools all the time, swimming pools. And, you know, they were super cute because they'd have their floaties on and they were just learning how to swim. And then as a parent, you know how that goes. This one day they, they, they see another kid stand on the edge and they, they jump off. And then all of a sudden your kid's like, oh, that looks exciting. I want to try that. And so as a parent, you stand in the water up to your waist and your child stands on the edge of the pool. And you coax them and encourage them. You say, come on, you can do it. And, and your kid stands there and they, they want to jump so bad. And they, but they're a little nervous and they, they want to jump. And you, and you coax them and say, come on. And you say, trust me. You say, I got you. Depend on me. And then finally, what is your child? They take that first jump. And then you catch them because they can depend on you. And they're so intoxicated with this, this, like, this, this rush that what do they do? They get out of the pool and they got to do it a hundred more times, right? Friends, that's, that's the picture that I want to leave you with. That to, to depend on God is to, is to take the jump. And say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. And you jump from the pool. And you know what? You might find out over, after, over a while, it starts to become a little intoxicating. Like, wow, I really can trust you, God. So friends, I just want to encourage you this week, practice depending on God's wisdom his timing, and his strength. And I'm telling you, take the jump. You'll find that it's worth it. Hey, let's close with a word of prayer this morning. I want to pray for us, church. God, I just, I come to you and, and I want your blessing on my life. It's not a selfish ask, God. I just, I want to be wise in every part of my life. I need you. So God, I'm asking for your blessing. So today, I, I, I want to take another step of learning to depend on you more. I want to be like Jesus encouraged me to be. Help me to be poor in spirit. Help me to adopt that attitude of my heart. And I confess, I need your wisdom this week. Not mine. I can get so confused and think I know it, but I don't. God, give me your truth this week. And God, help me to depend on your timing. Help me to be patient and to trust you. And to know that at the right time, you're going to carry out your perfect plan. And last, Lord, I, I just want to pray that I need your strength 
not my own, especially in today's society. Give me your strength so your power can get me through my days no matter how dark they may get. Father, help me this week. Help me this week, starting today, to arm myself with your strength. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.